The richer you get, the harder it is to manage your estate. There's lots of moving parts like portfolio diversity, tax mitigation, asset protection, and estate planning. That's why the ultra wealthy use family offices, and that's where Valerity Wealth comes in for you. Run by a former sovereign wealth fund manager, Valerity Wealth brings institutional level expertise to the high paid professional. Let Valerity quarterback your finances. Book your free consultation at ValerityWealth.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. And I'd like to start out this episode, as I always do, reminding you that you have WealthFormula.com there. And you have an abundance of resources there that you need to tap into. I mean, this podcast is only part of that. Along with a number of uh, special downloads, there is a copy of my book, Seven Secrets of Eternal Wealth which is a great place to start if you are interested in this world of real asset investing. And that book, by the way, is it was a number one seller on Amazon, but it's yours for free as a PDF. If you simply go to the website and download it, you can also get it by texting me at 44222 and simply type Wealth Formula. And that is one word, Wealth Formula, 44222. And the book is yours. Now, on to today's show. A lot of people ask me, you know, why the heck did you start podcasting anyway? Why'd you do that? Well, it's a good question, and it's, it went something like this. You see, I used to listen to podcasts all of the time, and most of them, like probably you, if you're listening to this podcast, were in the real estate arena. But after a while, you know what? I realized that, well, a few things. First of all, even if I liked a podcast, a good chunk of those shows really didn't relate to me at all. I mean, for example, you know, there would be shows about making a few thousand dollars flipping houses or wholesaling, and those things just really weren't part of my world. I wasn't interested in it. After all, I was the highly successful uh, and highly educated physician and a successful entrepreneur. I was already making money. I didn't need someone to tell me how I could spend several hours a week or day to make a few thousand bucks. That simply was not a good use of time for me. I didn't need to escape from a cubicle, right? I'm not, I, I wasn't one of those people who's trying to figure out how to make a few bucks so I can escape from a cubicle. I just wanted to make more money and I wanted to invest outside of Wall Street. There was, in fact, no one show that spoke to me. On the other hand, I got so interested in investing topics and the economy that I couldn't keep my own mouth shut. My wife would take me to a party and I'd, you know, I'd pretty much be bored out of my mind uh, unless someone started talking to me either about NFL football, go Vikes, by the way, go Vikes, or the economy or, you know, investing or, you know, anything related to the, the topics that I talk about in this show. And once in a while, I'd find a kindred spirit and nerd out talking about investing or how to save on taxes or something like that. And over time, what I realized is that, you know what? I had learned so much because I was so interested in this stuff, you know, that I really, I read so many books and I, and, um, you know, I, I, I listened to so many other podcasts that were great. I learned a ton. 
And when I shared things with people, they actually enjoyed listening to me and wanted to know more. So then it occurred to me, well, you know what? Maybe I should start my own podcast. So I did. The problem was that for the first several shows, no one listened to me. It was like, you know, I knew I was talking to myself. And then life got busy, so then I just kind of stopped. And that, you know, I got busy with my own businesses. And I was thinking, well, there's just not a lot of time to do this. So for a year or two, I just stopped. Then about 18 months ago, you know, again, I was starting to listen to podcasts again. Things calmed down with businesses. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to go all in on this. And if for nothing else, I'm going to just record my own thoughts and... You know, hopefully somebody will listen to me. And if not, at least I got a place to talk about things that I like and not bore the heck out of everyone else. Then a funny thing happened. People did start listening to me. And I started getting some guests. And some of them were even people who were not friends and family. (laughs) Before you know it, I got invited on other people's podcasts, which was even better because then some of you heard me on those podcasts and then you joined me on this journey. And today I've got a podcast that, you know, it goes up and down, right, in terms of the downloads. But, you know, we've had uh, up north of 30,000 downloads in a single month. And as you know, I interviewed Robert Kiyosaki the last few weeks ago. I mean, this has been a crazy ride, right? It's starting with the simple, I like talking about something, so I'm going to do a show. Now, here's the thing. When I started, I didn't really even think about making money from the podcast. And that's true because I really didn't know how. I mean, I knew you could, you know, you could have sponsorships and stuff, but no one's going to sponsor a show that has no listeners. So it was really just sort of a hobby and a passion project. But then the monetization actually came pretty easily. You see, businesses were understanding what I was talking about and looking at me and my ethos and then the people who are following me and saying, I want to get in front of those people, right? So then they would, you know, they would sponsor the show. And and that was easy too. I mean, you got guys like George, who I'd been investing with before. And basically, you know, uh, that was an e- that's an easy quote unquote sell because listen, I've already put a ton of money in this guy's fund. Why don't I tell other people about it? And then he pays me for it. Not a bad deal, right? And then, of course, you know, there's other things that you might be familiar with. I'm an active investor. You know, I love investing and it's one of my passions. And so it made sense since people had asked me for a while if they could and they want to know what I was investing in, if they could invest by my side to start something like Investor Club for accredited investors. By the way, you can sign up for that. And if you are an accredited investor, you should do it. And that helped me to continue to do more of what I love. And in the meantime, start my own uh, small funds and asset management business. And so this has really, frankly, been incredibly organic, right? And from the standpoint of the podcast itself, it really still doesn't feel like work. It's still really kind of, you know, it's really fun. Now, of course, you know, other stuff gets busy when you start building a business around something and not everything's fun. But the podcast part is a lot of fun. Talking to people is a lot of fun. That sounds kind of nice, right? I mean, what I've done essentially is I've been talking about my passions and along the way realizing that 
I can make some money doing it. And you know what? I It, it wasn't a, really a full-time gig. I mean, now it's, for the most part, the thing that I probably spend the most time with. But it was just something I just did on the side. I mean, I literally did the first several. Okay, I shouldn't even say this. I did the first several podcasts in my boxers from the guest room, right? So I was literally talking to people like, you know, the chief economist at Fannie Mae, right? And I was in boxers in my uh, in my guest room. So anyway, the point is that it sounds sort of nice, right? If you can do what you want and, and make some money, then why not do it? Because that's basically what I'm doing. And I'm 100% convinced that really, you know, this is something that if you have a passion for anything, if you're a guy who likes talking about stuff and, some, you know, and and not everybody wants to listen to you, but you want to keep talking about it and you get really excited when someone else wants to talk to you about it, then maybe you should consider a podcast too. I mean, you might be a doctor like me, but unlike me, actually enjoy talking about medicine. I shouldn't say that. I don't not like talking about medicine. It's just not my favorite topic. I mean, I think some wellness stuff and stuff is pretty cool, but you know, there are tons of docs out there and orthodontists and veterinarians and, you know, I could think all the investors in my um, investor club who've just got incredibly interesting stuff to talk about. And I mean, that's one of the cool things about it. And they, there are people out there in this world, because we're talking about a global audience, we have audiences, our audiences across the world. There are tons of people that no matter what your passions are, there's a group of people who share those passions and who would love to hear you talk. So the nice thing about that is that if you start doing that, you don't have to ramble on at parties to people who don't even really want to listen to you. You can literally talk about anything that interests you because there are others in the world, even if they don't live near you, which most of my audience does not, shares your passions. Podcasts are great because what they do is they allow you to find those people. They allow you to essentially find your tribe. And here's the thing. It's technically very easy to do. Now, Phil, who's my media guy here, will tell you that I'm not particularly, uh, you know, technically savvy. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm fine on the internet, but all this stuff, you know, this podcast equipment and audio equipment and all this stuff, it's just, it's not my thing. I'm not... You know, I've never really spent any time to try to learn it. And it's pretty easy. And I have this fancy setup, but you don't really need this fancy setup. I did it because I took this course and this guy said to buy it. But you really need to buy all this stuff. Anyway, I'm hoping, uh, therefore, based on what I'm telling you, that I might be planting a seed for some of you. And it might inspire you to try this podcasting thing. So for, for that purpose, I got my friend. Paul Colligan on the show to talk about podcasting today. Now, Paul has taught thousands of people to podcast and is a master at not only the technical part, but also the marketing and monetization, because a lot of you were probably thinking, yeah, Buck, I'd like to do that. But really, frankly, I'm not going to do that as a hobby if I can't make any money. And I get that. Most of the time, I'm the same way. But, you know, if you think you've got something worth sharing with the rest of the world, Uh, You're going to really enjoy this podcast today. So when we come back, Paul Colligan. Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. 
and it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest on Wealth Formula Podcast is Paul Colligan. Paul is a podcasting guru and one of the authorities in this growing medium. You know, he has a unique background for this space that's also very helpful. I mean, he's also, in addition to being a podcast guru, he's an internet marketer. He is a guy who understands marketing. He's worked with Traffic Geyser, Rubicon International, Piranha Marketing, Joe Polish's group, Microsoft and Pearson Education. He's also a popular keynote speaker on internet technology, having presented at events around the world, including Blog World and New uh, and New Media Expo, the European Business Podcasting Summit, Google Tech Talks, Mac World, Social Media Marketing World, and Microsoft Tech Ed. Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, thanks for coming on. You know, I, I've been thinking about this for a while because, you know, you're one of the podcast gurus out there that uh, many major brands turn to for advice. Well, why don't we start out by just telling us, you know, how did you get into this area? Because it sounds like, at least from what I know, you started out more as a marketer, right? A marketer proper and kind of went into this? Or did you, were you always in the podcast area? Um, th- this, this is a fun one. Um, in 2000, Five years, well, four years before podcasting hit, five years before it kind of hit big, I was working for a management consulting firm in downtown Portland, um, and it was sucking the life out of me. Uh, the, the only respite, the only release I got was I was a big Audible addict at the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, and this is back in the early days when the pocket PCs, you know, had 16 meg, not gig, meg. And, you know, I could put enough on my pocket PC to give me the morning commute, the commute back home, maybe a little bit of lunchtime break. But but I was addicted. I, I loved it. Yeah. Um, out of the blue, I got an email from the CEO of Audible who says, when I come into town, I'd like to take the five oldest customers and buy them dinner. Oh, wow. So you were exactly. like one of the five oldest customers? In yeah. Well, well, for in, in that town. Oh, OK. Got but, it. But yeah, yeah. And remember, this is 2000. This is, this is, we, we were not carrying portable devices back then. <laughs> I wasn't, yeah, I was going to yeah. say. And um, so we went to dinner and the guy was amazing. And he had been given, and that's a whole other story, but basically he had been kind of given a front row seat to where digital media was going to go. And he had based Audible on that. And he, and he really painted this fascinating picture of what was going to happen in the future. So, so that, that was number one. At the time, I was planning my exit strategy from the consulting company, and I was starting to build my first information product, and it was actually an audio product. Huh. So it hit me, and I didn't even think about this coming to the dinner, but it hit me 
as I'm starting to leave the dinner, wait a minute, the largest audio distribution digital in the world is sitting here in front of me. We've hit it off. Let's get my product on Audible. So I bring it up. I go, hey, can I get you know my product on Audible? And he goes, yes, absolutely. And I'm like, oh, man, this is it. It all changes tonight. Um, entry fee is $500,000. Oh, Okay. And we get 70%. You get 30. Okay. Okay. Now that's that's the old publishing model. Yeah. You know, the fact of the matter was at the time they were getting 70% from Tom Clancy. They were getting 70% from Harry Potter. You know, you know, so they're not gonna look at me and change anything. And so I kind of walked away, ah, darn it. Um, and that was it. Four years later. I hear, and, and, and that product came out, and that product did well, and, and it was funny, because it was a product about a Microsoft product. It was a training program for a Microsoft product, and the product actually sold for an additional three years after Microsoft even sunsetted the product, which is absolutely hilarious. So the, the product was successful without Audible, but I didn't have the distribution that I wanted. Sure. Po- podcasting pops up in 2004. I did not see it as the nerd extension of the RSS schema allowing for enclosures, snore, snore, snore. I saw it as this is how I become audible. Yeah. yeah. No $500,000 entry point. You know, my web server at the time was it. Yeah. I can do this. And I actually even started to build, you know, podcasting, as, as everybody knows who's listening to the show, is, is free. And I even spent, I invested about 15 grand in building a paid podcasting platform almost right out the chute. And it was very popular with all four of my customers. They loved it, but it wasn't where it was going. But I always saw it as distribution. I always saw it as content. I always saw it. Um, and, and to me, it was the same thing. You know, the web blew my mind because the web made it possible for someone to essentially have a store open 24 hours a day seven days a week to the entire world. Right. Uh, affiliate marketing blew my mind because it was a way to get a paid commission sales force 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all around the world. And podcasting was the natural extension that now we could take our media 24 hours a day, seven days a week around the world. So I always saw it from a business standpoint. Mm-hmm. I always saw it from a, from a message distribution standpoint. And the industry be- began to pop up, and everybody got excited. They go, new media, new media, new media, new media, and then they just put commercials on it. Mm-hmm. And they don't even put commercials that are matched. They put generic commercials. They found these companies. GoDaddy was one. Funny enough, Audible was one. And there were these companies in the early days who put ads on shows, but the ads on shows were just ad-on-show prices, and they were really just radio. And, and, and the thing is, if you're really just going to be radio, be radio. Yeah, yeah. What always excited me about podcasting was y- unique. You know, you and I off, offline here, we're taking a look at your numbers. You know, y- you have a show successful, you know, multiple, multiple, exponentially better than most of the other shows out there because the ads are targeted to the niche. You know, you've got a very specific audience. Right. You're doing very specific things with that very specific audience, and that's making you revenue. And that's been my vision for podcasting. That's my dream for podcasting. That's been my focus for podcasting since day one. And so, you know, your question about how to monetize is funny because you come in, Buck, from a from a real monetization standpoint, not a how can I do it like everybody else, 
But how can I do it smartly, intelligently, correctly? And that's what I've always done. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, just in general with podcasting, you know, obviously we've come a long way uh, since 2004. Tell me about the growth in this. I mean, is this the, the, the number of listeners is still it's still relatively small as a proportion of the population, isn't it? And, and, and how is that growing? Do you have do you have some statistics on that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, first of all, it's really funny because if you look at the statistics for podcasting's growth, just empirically, you know, downloads. Yeah. That has stayed almost, almost, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's been very steady and very predictable since 2004. Oh, really? There haven't been huge peaks. There haven't been huge jumps. Huh. Um, however, the news cycles for podcasting have had these huge jumps. There was a huge news cycle after Serial. That was one of the big ones that did it. There's been some news cycles after the public radio stations have jumped in. But a, a friend of mine actually has a collection of articles about the resurgence of podcasting dating from 2006 on. So th- the pure numbers, very predictable, going straight up, uh, doing the same thing year after year. What's interesting is uh, last year, Edison Research who very respectable polling company? They do all the exit polling uh, for the U.S. elections yeah. out of Boston, Massachusetts. Great company. They've been following podcasting. Last year, they showed podcasting to reach 60 million Americans, which is the inflection point for, you know, basically it's it's a thing now, for lack of a better term. I can't remember the exact yeah. term they use. So, so the for reference, Mainstream, that was it. For reference, do we have a number of what that was a few years before that, or? Like, um, I'm, I'm, you can look it up. I, I don't have that in front of yeah. me, but it's the, um, um, they've got a public, it's called the infinite dial report. Yeah. And, um, maybe you could put link to that in the show notes yeah. and, um, but, but, um, pretty predictable. The rise was pretty steady, but, but the 60 million hitting mainstream was interesting. That took from 2004 to 2017. Okay. Yeah. But here's the interesting thing. Okay. So it took 13, 14 years for podcasting to get mainstream 60 million Americans. Now, here's what's really exciting. They're also following the smart speaker, the Amazon A-L-E-X-A. I'd say her name, but she'd start talking to us. I forgot to turn her off. The Google Home, the Microsoft Cortana, you know, the smart speaker world. Yeah. You know how long those took to get mainstream? Days. <laughs> well, <laughs> since they only track once a year, maybe it only took days, but since they only track once yeah. a year, it took a year. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know Why? A multi-gazillion dollar marketing budget from Amazon, sure. from Google. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, so, and, and, and this is the next generation of devices to get these on because imagine coming down to your office and saying, you know, hey, device, play the latest episode of X. Yeah. So, so that is growing really, really quickly. The connected home is growing really, really quickly. The connected TV is growing really, really quickly. The connected car is growing really, really quickly. And so these are the areas where we're going to start to see um, some really, really interesting growth that will be exponential. Um, one of the big things was um, we used to have to sync. You know, we, we'd, we'd get up in the morning, we'd go, okay, I want to listen to these shows on the way to work. And so we'd have to put our device in the dock, we'd have to sync it up and take those with us. Um, once cell phone data became essentially free, part of the plan now, more Americans own smartphones than don't. Yeah. And they all have data. So now we get in our car and podcasting has really changed from 
something you had to do proactively to now, hey, what do I want to listen to today on the way to work? What do I want to listen to today on my run? What do I want to listen to on the airplane? That kind of thing. And and that's where the big in, inflection point has changed. And that's really more than some of these mainstream shows and stuff that have gotten the attention. But it's it's bigger than I mean it's it's huge right now. Yeah, you it's know, mainstream and it's real. It's uh, it's interesting to me because I know um, everybody who's I know who's ever started listening to podcasts has become a podcast listener, and yes. um, and so you know it, it goes along with you know overall there, I I feel like there's a trend in society right now towards decentralization. Of course, yes. I'm I'm kind of. Um, you know, I've become sort of a crypto guy, and 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 so it's sort of everything thematic around me. I'm looking around. I'm like decentralization everywhere, and this is is one of those things. Yep. And yep. it just really gives you the opportunity to really find, you know, really hone in on what interests you. I mean, you don't yep. have to listen to what somebody else is and like flip through stations and hope you got it. I mean, you you yep. you know, people who listen to to my show. I know some people are are great fans and and never miss it. And it's because I talk about stuff they want to talk about, right? Yep. That's why I started this podcast in the first place, because no one wanted to talk to me about this Well, and, and the way, not only do you, Buck, you see, the thing is, not only do you talk about what they want to talk about, but you talk about it in the way they want to talk about right. it. Right, right. You know, the, the, the crypto space is seeing, there's a lot of podcasts right now about crypto. Oh, but yeah, a no lot kidding. of them are jokers. They a are. lot of them are nerds. A lot of them are like, "Oh, I invested fifty bucks in you know Ethereum. Now I'm an investor." Right. You know. You know. They're, they're not looking at the long term. They're not looking at the implications. They're not looking at the stuff you're looking at. Yeah. So not only can someone now, you know, nobody's going to get crypto talk on the drive. To, I'm I'm out of Portland, Oregon. You're not going to get a crypto show on the drive into work. Yeah. You know, but you can go to iTunes now. You can find several crypto shows. But if you're the serious investor who wants the inside scoop from people who've been there done that not just nerds associating themselves with they can listen to what you're doing so it's not just nicheification it's ultra nicheification yeah i agree you, you know and as a result you can build you can build products and services and tools to serve that ultra niche and that's where the revenue is and and and, and the great thing is it's not just you that's the industry so the last number we got from apple was 10 billion downloads and streams in 2016. Wow. Okay. And, you know, a couple thousand of them were this guy, a couple thousand of them were that guy, a couple thousand of them were that guy. You know, and and this is where the nichification, this is where the focus, this is where the attention becomes really, really popular. And it's so much better. I mean, listening to a generic show about a generic topic, even if it's well-produced, is one-tenth as exciting as listening to a very focused show about a very focused topic. Yeah. One of the questions I have specifically is when we talk about podcasts, um, you know, I've, I've for the most part, uh, stuck to audio podcasts, although it's funny. As we speak right now, Paul, we started videotaping me do this sort of Rush Limbaugh style. <laughs> okay. Uh, and to put it on YouTube because yeah. we because we're trying to figure out you know how do we get to more people because everybody who we get to not everybody but a lot of people we get to love the show and it, we'd like to try to hit other places so so now we're just recording it now tell me when you talk about podcasts um, growth are you talking about video podcasts audio podcasts what are you talking about specifically and or or are you kind of you know lumping it all in. 
Well, well, it's lumping it all together because those are the numbers that you've got. And and video podcasting at the moment is a very small niche. But let's talk about a couple of things. But first, let me give you the definition of podcasting that I go with because this helps a lot of people. Um, because you know it's funny. I about five years ago, you know, Joe Polish, our our mutual friend and guy we write checks to, um, <laughs> you, you know, Joe would keep introducing me as the if you want to learn how to podcast, talk to Paul. If you want to learn how to podcast, talk to Paul. And I was never interested in that. There's not a lot of money in how to podcast. There's the money is in, is in how to make money from podcasting. But I finally wrote this book. And I, I, I went out to all the nerd bulletin boards and all the locations for all the podcasters. And I said, guys, let's finally get a definitive definition of what podcasting is. Because you get like 10 podcasters up against the wall. You get 10 different answers. And, and that really, really frustrates people. So uh, and the problem was none of them agreed. All of them hated me. I got called mean names. So I just came up with my own term. Uh, and so here's the definition, okay? And I think this will help anybody listening to this show. Audio or video made available online for easy on-demand consumption and or subscription-based delivery. So let's break that down into chunks. Audio or video. It's the same thing. Same world. It's media files, Okay. Online for ease, either on-demand consumption or subscription-based delivery. Let's take those two areas. On-demand's huge. A lot of people go to YouTube for on-demand stuff. I've got a client right now, you know, and, and we can chat about this offline. Um, I've got a client who gets over a thousand downloads of his podcast on YouTube. Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> and um, and it's it's a neat little percentage. I'll tell you, it's a lot more than Stitcher. You know, yeah. it's a lot more than some of these other platforms. Yeah. And so, yes, some people go to YouTube for on demand. But what's really interesting is with YouTube Red, people pay. You know, you pay nine ninety nine a month, and you get YouTube without commercials. Well, the YouTube speakers now, the Google Home, and I, I can't remember the big one, what that's called, but you can actually have it play things from YouTube. Yeah. So you could actually say, okay, G-O-O-G-L-E, play, you know, Buck episode, blah, 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 and, and it will. Yeah. You right. know, so, so, so that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. And what's interesting is, is, you know, I love that you said, you know, Rush Limbaugh style because, you know, the nerds will say, well, who's going to look at a talking head video? Yeah. Well, Rush proved to us a lot of people. Will well, that's exactly right, and I kind of had the same thought too when we were, you yeah. know, because my uh, my media guy, I I hired this kid Phil. He's a cine, uh, he has a cinematography. I told you about him, but he's a UCSB yep. kid, and and he really wanted to do some video. He keeps telling me to do video. I'm like, you know, I'm just not, you know. I'm just not a video guy. I don't really like to dress up and I don't really, you know, it feels rehearsed, whatever. So, you know, finally I was like, you know, I'm thinking Rush Limbaugh. I'm thinking, yeah. I remember even Howard Stern, of course, he had a bunch of yep. naked women on there too, which we don't have. But, but you know, it's basically a studio, right? Yeah. People watch it because yeah. it just gives them something to do with their eyes while they're listening. Yeah. So that's why we decided to do it, right? I mean, it's yeah. like, Hey, I mean, if this is what it takes for for us to get our message out to you, we'll we'll just record me doing it. Now I have to make sure I'm not, you know, when I first started this podcast, Paul, it used to be from my guest room back in Chicago, and sometimes I'd be in boxers, right? And so I'd be talking to like the chief economist at Fannie Mae, and be in my boxers. <laughs> but I can't do that anymore. 
right. <laughs> if I'm doing the video. But but yeah, I mean, I see I see what you're saying. So one of the reasons, um, you know, I really wanted you on this show is obviously, you know, you have a lot of interesting things to say in this podcasting world is fascinating, but as it relates to Wealth Formula and what we're doing here, you know, I've had a number of listeners ask me, um, first of all, you know, uh, should they start a podcast, um, you know, and, and, and if they should, how do they do it? So who who should consider having a podcast? I mean, of course, anybody could consider it, but tell me, give me some ideas. People listening out there, I got Lots of doctors, dentists. I got people with a lot of incredible, like specialized knowledge. I, I got people who are, you know, famous producers and uh, music producers and people who write music for famous people. I mean, really interesting people, right? So, what makes a podcast interesting? What makes it successful? Who should do it? Well, three very different questions with three very different answers. So, so let's let's take them on. First of all, interesting. Let's take that term. What the world considers interesting versus what an audience might consider interesting is two entirely different things. Yeah. You know, a lot of people see a podcast as, you know, a Shark Tank type of moment. You have to convince five investors that the whole world wants to, you know, knock on your door. Um, I mean, if I grabbed the next 10 people I meet and I told them I was on your show and I explained what your show was, I don't think any of them would care. Yeah. I don't think any of them would find it interesting. However, you know, everybody who's this far is like, okay, I see where Buck's going here. Maybe this is where it all comes together. So interest is in, in the mind of the beholder. And the thing is in, in, in the monoculture, we used to have to have shows that appealed to everybody. We used to have to have Carson, Friends, Cheers, Cosby Show, right. you, you know, these types of things, because the only way to make money was to get millions and millions of people to, to consume it. Now, you know, um, you, you know, people tell me, well, I want a lot of people listening to my show. Well, do you want a lot of people listening to your show or do you want impact? Yeah. Ah, uh, you know, I want impact. Well, what if only one person listened to your show? Well, that's not impact. Well, what if that one person was the president of the United States. Now, when I used to say that, it had a different response than it's had recently. But, <laughs> but, but you, know, you know, what if that one person was the CEO of Microsoft? Right. What if that one person was Mark Zuckerberg? You know, and so, so interesting is, is definitely in the eye of the beholder. Okay. So, so um, how do you, go ahead. No, so, so I guess, more, I guess the question is, I, in part, uh, I'm just trying to identify you know, people out there are thinking, maybe I ought to start a podcast. Like, yeah, exactly. You Let's... know, who who are those people and give them some guidance on this? Yeah. Anybody who finds themselves repeating the same message over and over again <laughs> should really <laughs> examine a podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny you know, that you say that because, again, my media uh, dire uh, director here, Phil, uh, keeps telling me, you know, Buck, you kind of talk about the same stuff all the time, cash flow and assets and, you know, money and stuff. Maybe you should talk about something else. I'm like, no, you don't get it. This is what I like to talk about. Right. And this is why I keep talking about it, because other people want to talk about it, too. It would make right. no sense for me to go off and talk about a whole bunch of other stuff that, exactly. that I don't care exactly. about and they don't care about. <laughs> so there are 
a zillion podcasts about podcasting. That whole industry is yeah. very. You um, have one of them, um, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, and it's funny because there are probably 50 shows where you can find out what microphone to get. Yeah. There are probably 100 shows that talk about hosting. There are probably, you, you know, I, I don't want to do that. I do a show called The Podcast Report at thepodcastreport.com. And I take on all of the topics that I get asked all year long. Like, for instance, Paul, what's coming? Okay. Now, we recorded this in January of 2018. Guess what my first episode of 2018 was? What's coming in 2018? Yeah, podcast predictions for 2018. Now, the cool thing is, is in this show, I in this episode, first of all, I mentioned what I predicted last year. And I proved that I was right, which sets me up as an authority. And then I predicted what's going to happen this year, and I explained why. So well, now, now I want to when somebody to says, it. you know, hey, Paul, what's happening? I can say, hey, look at the first episode of 2018. You know, and that that changes that. So now it's fun. And, and, and you know, predictions are fun because now that I'm putting it out there and accountable, you know, and I encourage people to come back and get me if I was wrong or I'm encouraging people to debate. But at the core – it's that same question that gets asked over and over and over again. Yeah. Another question I get asked over and over and over again is, hey, Paul, hot new podcast company X. What should I think about them? You know, the, the, the elusive chasing of the, you know, uh, yeah, the, the chase. Well, I interviewed in the last episode, I interviewed a gal from a, you know, new podcast hosting company X. And I just asked her, why in the world does somebody else need a new podcast company? And honestly, she really couldn't answer. Yeah. You know, and here's the thing. She's got millions in VC. And so now, and the thing was, I didn't point out that she didn't answer. Really, this is the show where I'm pointing it out. Right. Um, but a lot of people listen to that and said, okay, they learned. You know, you know, Chase, the, the other stuff. Um, I did a podcast hosting company, a, a new one. You know, I asked him, what's the difference between you and the guys who have been doing it for 10 years? Couldn't give me an answer. You know, and so I've done this show reporting on podcasting, but every single one positions me as an expert. Every single one answers the questions that I've been answering for a long time. So now someone can do their homework by listening to my show. Yeah. Someone can do their homework by listening to your show. Nobody's going to listen to five minutes of Buck and, you know, go to your course or invest in one of the funds that you've talked about or that type of thing. Nobody's going to do that until they've done a lot of homework and, and a lot of effort. And that's where where podcasting becomes powerful. Now have fun with it. I mean, don't get up every morning. Today I'm going to report on the four podcast. You know, you, you know, do it in a way that you do it with four buddies at a bar. But, you know, that's how the show gets made. And here's the thing. If only 20 people listen to the podcast report, as long as one other two of them is a potential client every month or so, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the money that comes to the podcast report is clients who pay me retainer on a monthly basis. Sure. You know, another example, my bookkeeper. I love my bookkeeper. He's just a he's just a common sense, reasonable guy. And I've wanted to recommend him to a lot of people here in town, but I have nothing to recommend. I, I just say he's a common sense, reasonable guy. Like, like how, that doesn't translate. That's not really good on a bumper sticker. <laughs> but I've to, but I've told Neil, Neil, what you need to do is every Monday morning record 10 minutes of things I need to do this week in tax and thought and business development. And then just give me every week for 52 weeks, 10 minutes of what I need to do. Yeah. And then let's make that a podcast. 
Yeah, it, you know, the way I see it, here's here's what happened with my with my story in podcasting. So uh, if you go back and you look at shows one through four or whatever, uh, they started, I think, back in 2000, gosh, it must have been 2012 or 13. And the reason I did those podcasts back then was because I, well, I was a podcast listener. I was an avid listener. And what I would find is I'd have three or four podcasts that, that had shows that were interesting to me, but a lot of them, uh, you know, a lot of them had, you know, shows that were interesting to me once every five shows. Yep. Right. Yep. And so what I realized was there was nothing that was really talking just to me. Right. Yep. You know, I came from a, you know, I had a very specific uh, demographic. I came from a specific demographic, a, you know, a high earning uh, professional uh, and, and an entrepreneur too. And so I didn't really like, I didn't, uh, I didn't like the show. I liked real estate shows, but I didn't like hearing about, you know, uh, how to make a, a few bucks wholesaling and stuff. Like that wasn't very interesting to me. Exactly. I liked hearing about the economy. Um, I, I didn't, but now I didn't like hearing about escaping from a cubicle because I didn't work in a cubicle. You know what I mean? It's it, so I needed something that, um, that really resonated for me. So, and I also was one of those guys that I felt like, you know, whenever I go to a party or something like that, I want to talk about certain things that a lot of people don't really want to talk about, right? I mean, I like talking about money and the economy and investing, and I get super excited about it. And yep. then, but then people don't really want to talk to me. You know? yep. and, and it might oh, even well, be Buck, perceived as It's not as like rude. I go to parties and people want to talk about the future of podcasting. Well, yeah, exactly. So I hear you. Yeah, I hear so, you. So, so in, and in fact, talking about a lot of these things, frankly, in some circles, you know, would be kind of rude, right? You don't want to talk yeah. about investing in money. And so, so I started it. But then after about four episodes, I started realizing a couple of things. First of all, I looked and saw who was listening to me, and it was like no one, right? No one was listening to me. Second of all, um, I was thinking, well, this if I'm going to really do this every week, it's going to take a lot of time, and i got to be able to justify that. And yep. in the time, I was like really driving a couple of my business to you know to become sort of more independent without me. So then I just stopped. I stopped for like two years. And when things kind of settled down and I was like, yeah, I really want to go back two years, maybe even longer. It was like four years. I don't know. It started, I started up another again year and a half ago. And then I, then I was like, okay, now I have time to do it. So I'm just going to do it. And I don't care what happens. So I started doing it, started talking to people. I started, you know, just sending out my message, just thinking, well, gosh, worst case scenario, one day my kids will listen back to my thoughts on investing in money and, you know, and they'll, they'll have a permanent record of me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the worst case scenario. Right. And before you know it, um, I started, I started, you know, getting interviewed on other podcasts and the audience started growing. You know, and before you know it, I, I got some fairly big names and ultimately, you know, culminating with the full circle for me last week was, or, you know, was Robert Kiyosaki, where it all started for me. But, but I didn't think about monetizing this along the way. Yes. You know, I didn't until I realized, hey, there may be an opportunity and inherently I'm an entrepreneur. So I started Investor Club. Now, Investor Club, what is it? It's just 
part of what I do on a daily basis. I like investing, right? So, and I'm a credit investor. I look for stuff to invest in as a private investor. And so it was easy for me to slap that on. And okay, so now I help people invest and they make money with me the way I make money. Um, you know, I got really interested in some products um, that I participated in. And I was able to get in to a position where, you know, if, if people did this, not only did they benefit, but they would, I would also get paid. So yeah. it was a very natural thing. And of course, I have commercials, you know, I have commercials for products. But and you have commercials that are not, you have commercials for products that are targeted to your audience. And that does two things. Number one, your audience doesn't get upset when they hear commercials because they're targeted to them. Yeah. You know, but number two, because you have the right audience, you are getting exponentially more for these commercials than any average standard podcast out yeah, there. Yeah. So don't just say you have commercials. You know, you yeah. have commercials strategically and intelligently, my friend. Yeah. By the way, those were the easiest things ever, right? Because they're guys that are targeted. Well, and not only that, but they were a good example is um, my, you know, my friend uh, George Newberry, who I've been talking about American Homeowner Preservation, and he's been a sponsor. He was my first sponsor, right? This is the funny thing that happened was that I was talking about George a lot on the show and it's fun because I'd been investing it for a few years. And so I, it wasn't coming from like, I wasn't plugging the guy because he was a sponsor. I was plugging the guy because it was making me money. Right. And the next thing you know, I'm thinking I need to do some sponsorship. So I go to George. I'm like, George, you know, how about you, you know, run, you know, how about you sponsor this show? And he says, let me think about it. And uh, he comes back to me. He says, look, Hey Buck, I just noticed, you know, we've been paying, you know, National Public Radio, something like $10,000 a month. Yep. yep. And um, you're outperforming National Public Radio right now for yep. us. And I was like, wait a second, how much do you pay me again? Yeah, exactly. He doesn't pay me anything, right? He, it, it, he you know, it's something that George's Fund is something I've invested in for years. I believe in it and made people a lot of money and it made George a lot of money. It all worked out. So those are the kinds of sponsorships that I love because it's completely, you know, uh, you know, it's complete, completely organic and, um, you know, it makes it really easy. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. And finally, I'm spending so much time on this podcast now. Obviously, uh, now I have to actually, you know, make some money. But anyway, that was a lot about me, but I thought it would be good perspective on understanding this. So, you know, in your experience, you know, how hard is it for, you know, people to create? What does it take to have a quote unquote successful podcast. And, you know, is this a a difficult technical thing for most people? I found it, you know, relatively easy, but I'm, you know, relatively tech savvy. Is this something that most people you feel like can do? Well, again, it's back to that word successful. Yeah. You know, if if success for you is telling your life story so that your kids one day can find it. You know, you know, that that's one thing, um, you know, if success is I want to pay my hardware and software bills, that's another thing. Um, if success is I want a significant chunk of the pie graph of the revenue for the year to be the podcast, that's something else. So right. the first thing you have to do is 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 define what you want success to be. And what happens a lot of times, sadly, in podcasting is um, because and we'll chat about the second part of your question in a second. Because it's so easy to get into, a lot of people just start to see what happens. And that's not necessarily bad, but anything in life, you start with that, you know, the old, you know, failing to plan, planning to fail thing. 
Um, if you know what you want from the podcast, then you can build the podcast around that. And that is the process that I really, really recommend. Um, I have a thing called the four M's of podcasting. And, and the four M's of podcasting is simply this. M1, your market. Who are you talking to? Um, who's your audience? You know, you, you have a very specific, very targeted audience. It's perfect. The message. What's the message of that audience? You know, you know, you know if you're talking to, you know, moms who just had a baby, that's a very targeted audience. But there could be thousands of different messages. You could be, you know, five-minute humor in between feedings. You could be how to go organic with your kids. You could be how to get your body back. You could be, you know, how to figure out how you're going to go back to work. Um, you, can, it can, you know, there's all different messages that you can give to a market. So market, message. Then the next one is the money. Where's the money going to be? I had a guy call me, Buck, with millions of downloads of a show. Okay? Very popular show, hit all these top lists, and it was a show that taught you how to speak Spanish. Hmm. Very cool. Now, here's the thing. He wasn't making any money. I said, how are you not making money? He said, well, I can't get any ads. I said, well, what kind of ads are you trying to get? He goes, well, I thought like Berlitz and Rosetta Stone <laughs> would advertise. <laughs> I'm like, well... <laughs> Why would Berlitz advertise for something to buy that you're giving away for free? Yeah. And he said, yeah, I wish somebody would ask me that question about two years ago. Yeah. You know, and, that, and that's one of the problems that we deal with. So, so, you know, and then, so you figure out the money. Then, so market, message, money, then. And the thing is, it doesn't have to be, if you teach people how to speak Spanish, it doesn't have to be um, selling Berlitz. It could be you know, uh, courses, it could be immersion weekends, it could be learn Spanish and we'll all go to Barcelona. You, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of ways to do it. Then the last M is honestly the medium. And I appreciate you didn't tell me about the YouTube thing, but I really, I really applaud you for that. Um, sometimes the medium is podcasting, sometimes it isn't. You know, if your audience is Luddites who are afraid of technology, um, podcasting is probably not a good media for them. You know, you probably want to go to the printed word at that point. Right. You know, and sometimes the media is just podcasting. Sometimes the media other ways. I got a, I got a client who does a show, but he also has a, a CD on demand service. A lot of his clients want the CD every month of the show. So he, so he sends him a CD, you know, all automated, all done. But, the, you know, but that's the way that works. Anyway, th those are the four M's. Right. So I know a lot of people who have stumbled into things. You know, a mutual, um, a guy we've chatted about in the past, we, we, we won't say his name, but a guy who's, who's a big um, guru in the space, you know, he did a show about a very popular television show. He did a, a fan show about a very popular television show. And then that television show got a lot of attention. And when people went to iTunes looking for that television show, they ran across his show. And huh. he got gazillions of downloads and had a great show and got to go to fan conventions and that kind of stuff. But the monetization was zip. Yeah. Relatively speaking. Yeah. You know, and so I really, really recommend going in with a plan. And what's fun when you go in with a plan, you know, if you get up, I mean, every week we have the things that excite us. We have the things that make us money. Sometimes those are the same things, especially as an entrepreneur, especially as an entrepreneur trying to do things intelligently. You know, if you record an episode knowing that the plan for money is X, you're going to go in with a lot more excitement than if you record an episode wondering if anything will become of this one day. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is um, 
you know, I, I think there's, I think there's a few different ways to approach it. I don't think, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, one of the things that I think is um, a really, uh, really um, uh, useful, uh, again, to think about is, is that if you want to start a podcast and you're thinking about doing something, um, you know, on an ongoing basis, regularity is really important if you want to build yep. an audience. And um, so if you work back from that, you have to have something that you feel like you want to talk about all the time. Yep. So if, to me, that's the number one thing. I mean, yep. um, I remember talking to one of my uh, investor club people about you know, about possibly starting a podcast. He was talking about wanting to start a podcast and he was a primary care doc. And I told him, go for it, man. I mean, there's, I mean, if you love medicine, you want to talk about medicine and a different topic and, and there's like a million things you could talk about and people love that and you could definitely monetize that you know what i mean um so it's it's uh it's it's good stuff um and i, I think there is an opportunity to make money i'm happy to uh, personally talk to anybody about my experience if you ever anyone wants to get on uh phone with me and you're thinking about doing it um Hey, so, you know, some of the things, some of the movements you were talking about with the technology, wasn't there some movement towards uh, podcast advertising type syndication and that sort of thing, too? Or was that did that never really take off? I remember hearing about that. Yeah, yeah, there's there's um, let's go really quick. I know I, I've done enough of these interviews that I know the question that I didn't answer. Let's do that really, really quick. How hard right. is it? Yeah. What do I need? Fact of the matter is, one of the top 10 management marketing podcasts for a long time with millions of downloads is a guy who talks about his work day on his drive into work using nothing more than his iPhone and he clicks the record button. Yeah. Although it's Russell Brunson, right? So, yeah, it's Russell Brunson. So, so that and, makes um, it a little well, bit different. <laughs> you know, Russell's amazing. But, but the fact of the matter is, Russell doesn't need – it's not the microphone. Right. It's the talent. Yeah. You know, right. a mic, the, the right microphone, the right tech doesn't make you a good podcaster any more than the right knife makes you a good chef or the right typewriter makes you Hemingway. Right. Okay. So you could record whatever you want to record. There's a show I loved where a guy would literally call this guy who's basically sort of a rock and roll philosopher king. And it's an amazing show. And basically the guy, he, he'd basically call the guy every week on the phone. It was sort of a phone version of Breakfast with Maury. And the whole show was a, was a phone recording. That's fine. You know, other people have a, a fancy pants microphone, you know, and that's fine. But the thing is you can get – there are several under $100 microphones that plug into your computer through the USB port who get, you know, easily 80% of the job done. Yeah. Um, there's a company called Blue, B-L-U-E. Any of their microphones are great. You can find them on Amazon. Yeah. All right. So movements. You want to still want to chat yeah, that? Yeah, well, just thinking, you know, I, I knew I knew if I asked you uh, two thousand, what's up for uh, podcasting yeah. in 2018, you'd say listen to the episode. But a lot of people no, no, no. might. <laughs> let's, let's talk. <laughs> yeah, okay. so, so um, see, podcast advertising, syndication, and networks and stuff, here's the problem, Buck. Here's the dirty little secret that nobody's talking about. The traditional networks – don't have enough episodes to really um, do the mass buys on any side of tech. Because the problem is, you know, if you have the buyer gets his percentage, the shows get their percentage, the tech gets their percentage, the number is so small that that type of mass thing just has not worked well. 
And I don't know if it necessarily ever will. You know, let's say you were asked to join a network of, you know, podcast investment shows. Okay. Yeah. Um, targeted to your world. Well, here's the thing. An ad specifically targeted for your show is going to pay 10 times more than an ad specifically targeted to investors. Sure. Which is going to pay 10 times more than an ad specifically targeted to podcast listeners. Right. And so do you want, you know, a dollar to have somebody add something to your show or do you want $100 for having, you know, your UCSB graduate do it for you? Right. And so, so that, that is not necessarily doing that well. And, and the whole network concept has come into play because the network is something that we grab our minds around. You know, I talked about the old shows, um, you know, that we all used to listen to or, or used to watch on TV where they were all on NBC on Thursday nights. But the fact of the matter is, when we watched Cosby, we saw the ad for Cheers, and then we saw the ad for Seinfeld, then we saw the ad for The Tonight Show, Um, and we watched things literally. Now, we watch what we want to watch when we want to watch it. You know, my wife and I, we love Jimmy Fallon. Um, We really enjoy the monologue. We really enjoy the guests, but I have not watched The Tonight Show at 1030 in like five years. You know, because because I want to watch when and where I want to watch. So the thing is, is nobody's ever going to go, you know, you you can ask podcasters, like you said, they get really excited. You ask a podcaster what their favorite podcast is, they'll tell you in a heartbeat. But you asked a podcaster what their favorite podcast network is, they probably can't tell you. Right, right. You know, yeah, and right. so so in this, you know, in this world of just word getting around, that's why. People come to me all the time, how, you know, can I advertise on, net, you know, nope, you can advertise on a show or, and you've seen this, you go on another show, best advertising possible yeah, because it's that niche, it's that focus. You know, a lot of people listen to this episode are going, wait a minute, he got Kiyosaki? I'm going to go listen to that episode. Bam, yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's, it's, it's the right people. So the, the old models aren't necessarily there. Yeah. Anything else exciting that we ought to know about big prediction well, to 18 so we can go back? Well, two things happened actually in the last couple of days that were really interesting. And, and uh, even even after I recorded my predictions episode, Ooh. which, by the way, is at the podcast report dot com forward slash one, three, four. Um, two things happened. Number one, um, some new stats came out. More people listened to on demand audio than any other kind of audio. Huh. OK. Yeah, that came out this morning. Number two, this is really exciting. So, you know, the smart speaker world, Apple was supposed to deliver their smart speaker, you know, holiday season 2017. They did not. Um, It's coming. It's going to come probably February. Though, you know, they might do something around the CES announcement. They always like to announce something to disrupt CES. But they announced this morning a dynamic podcast of basically your news sources that are going to come through the speaker when you get up in the morning. So you're going to say, okay, Apple, you know, HomePod, play me my morning update. Now, ALEXA already has that. Google will have that soon. But this idea of the dynamic stitching together of other content sources, that I think is the next step of podcasting. See, you're going to get X amount of listeners who are going to come from other shows and from friends and existing clients. But the rest of your listeners are going to come from people who are going to say, okay, Amazon, I like shows about investing. Give me good shows about investing. And just like with Pandora, where we'd give them thumbs up or thumbs down, we're going to start giving shows thumbs up or thumbs down. Yeah, yeah. 
And this is where the future of the stuff's going to come is going to be is not the network choosing you, but the platform choosing you. You know, one of the good things about you being on YouTube is there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be looking for topics related to what you're doing who are going to see that other people who watch this video also watch this video. Yeah. You know, now, by the way, put that same video on Facebook, my friend, because two billion people a month check into Facebook. Some of them are your niche. And the great thing is, is Facebook does the hosting for free anyway, so it's not you, like you're You can put like an hour long. Yeah. Uh, really? Why not? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I got that little consulting here. Got a there you go. note from your bookkeeper this morning. So yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, but but that that's really where we want to where we want to um we really want to focus on us as as the entity now. Yeah. You know, and we saw that from social, and we saw that from everything else we've done, um, and it's just the logical next step. Right. So. Paul, do you do any podcast training anymore? I mean, like basic yeah. stuff, or do you? Do well, it? um, um, I've got the book out. Yeah, and, what's the book um, called? Uh, get this, ready for this? Yeah, it's called How to Podcast. That's a great title. It's very, very uh, unique. Um, yeah, and by the way, let me demonstrate how we can potentially monetize that for you and for me. So we're gonna um, put an affiliate link in the resources section to Paul's book how to podcast. So what is an affiliate link? If you click on it, you don't pay anything. It just takes you to, is it on Amazon? I presume. Oh, of course. Yeah. It takes you to Amazon. And, uh, if you pay what, like three bucks or four bucks, how much is your book, Paul? Actually, I, I, I stopped selling myself short. This one's nine ninety nine okay. Kindle, fourteen ninety nine paperback. Right. So, so if, if you click on that and Paul will get, you know, paid, Amazon will get paid and I'll get like, I don't know, like 10 cents or something like that. But that is how you monetize the show. It's that simple. You just, you know, you're doing what you normally do and figure out opportunities that, you know, just are just natural for people. And, uh, you know, this is a, a just an example of that, right? So yeah, um, I, I've got a client who records her podcast live on Facebook. And during the Facebook recording, she talked about a product. She had an affiliate link. Yeah. She shut down their e-commerce system. What? Okay. Now, she's doing really well. She's yeah. very popular. Yeah. Very well niche. Very intelligently done. But, yeah, she actually shut down. So she had to send a follow-up to everybody going, sorry, I broke the shopping cart. Yeah. And, um, and you know, was, was that a nice little check that month? Yeah. She makes four figures. Ready for this? She makes four figures on on the affiliate link for products she doesn't recommend. What? She'll do a taste test. She goes, I'll hate this, but if you want to try it, I got a link below. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And she'll get she'll get four figures just on that. That's pretty good. Anyway, so Paul, how else can we learn about you? Uh, you, you can uh, remind us the name of the podcast, the website. You know all, all the things that you uh, you offer because I think there's probably some people out there thinking, you know what, I might give that podcasting a try, and uh, I don't want to go into a dark cave without somebody who's been there before. There we go. Um, th- the two things I'd recommend is the podcast report at thepodcastreport.com. That's the show. That's the inside baseball stuff. That's not microphone reviews. That is where's the business, where's the money, what's coming in the future. Um, the other thing I'd recommend is the book, How to Podcast. And when you buy the book, um, there is a registration um, opportunity where you can sign up for the book. And then as things change in the industry, I'll update you. 
by having your email address, then I'll make um, other opportunities available to you. I've got a I've got a course that basically walks you through. It's about five hours long, walks you through everything in the book. Not necessary. A lot of people have launched books. Um, I've launched podcasts based just on the book. But if you're that visual kind of learner, that's there. And then that um, that whole email series will give you how to get a hold of me and that kind of thing. You, you know, if you want to do the social thing, uh, you know, paulcolligan.com slash Facebook, paulcolligan.com slash Twitter, paulcolligan.com slash Instagram. Um, you know, pick your favorites there. That's great. Paul Colligan, everyone. Paul, thank you very much for being on Wealth Formula Podcast today. Thanks for having me, Buck. We will be right back. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. So what do you think? I have to tell you, I can't uh, tell you enough how this podcast, this podcasting thing really, has really, really just changed my life. I mean, uh, and I'm not trying to be dramatic. It literally has. I mean, it is, you know, the people I've met, the opportunities I've had. And what I mean by the people I've met, too, is like it's not only like, you know, Kiyosaki and all these kinds of guys, but I talk to a lot of really interesting people on the phone, and it's great to finally get to meet a lot of people like mine. So it's really fun. Yeah, in fact, it was super cool. And uh, Scott, if you are listening, I'll just uh, share the story. There was a guy uh, that uh, I was talking to on the phone the other day, Scott Sanderson, and and uh, turns out that he and I played hockey against each other back when we were kids, like literally when we're like 12, you know, whatever, like 10 to 15 years old. He was at a different school, but I recognized his name from a jersey because he was really good. But it's just, it's just so random. It's kind of fun, these things, these connections that we're getting. Anyway, seriously consider whether this is something for you because it's been a great experience. And, you know, it keeps getting better. It it just really does keep getting better, this podcast for me. By the way, you know that uh, I will say this. I'm going to use this time to plug because you know uh, how you can make this even better for me. You can go to iTunes and give me a five-star review. Because if you do that, that's how the show's rankings go up and more people find it. And that's how we get our message out. And um, anyway, that's it for me today. It's been really fun. If you have any questions on how to get started in this process or anything else on podcasting, make sure to shoot me an email at buck at wealthformula.com. This is Buck Joffrey with Wealth Formula Podcast signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Worried about saving too little too late for retirement? 
The Wealth Accelerator may be exactly what you need. With the help of some of the oldest and most reliable insurance companies in the country, Wealth Accelerator allows you to take most of the upside of any good year in the stock market and use bank loans to magnify those returns significantly. And what if the stock market has a bad year? No need to fear. Wealth Accelerator is engineered so you don't participate in the losses of the market, no matter how bad of a year it is. Sounds too good to be true, right? But it's not. It's simply the same financial engineering that the ultra-wealthy have been doing for years. Now it's your turn. Check it out for yourself by going to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com.